Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bibles, want to open them to Psalm 57. We've been doing a series called <coughs> Stay Positive. And we were inspired by some content that some guys have done down at Life Church, uh, Craig Rochelle, and some of those. And uh, they gave us the graphics and all that. But we've been talking about how to stay positive in a world that's negative. And so we've talked about having biblical optimism. And then we've talked about how to stay positive and how to stay um, thankful and grateful. Today we're going to talk about how to stay confident. Now, how many of you are very confident people? Anybody? Just kind of, yeah? How many of you struggle with confidence? Yeah. I, uh, I had the privilege of coaching seventh grade basketball. Uh, Riley actually got me into that. And there's some kids on those teams who are very confident and with good reason. They got a lot of skills. There are also other kids who are very confident who probably shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, again, they just fire up three-pointers. And, you know, I'm like, guys, you know, I just had to tell my team, I, I coach the lower skill levels. And I say, nobody shoots three-pointers. Like, come on, coach. It's like, start learning to make layups, and then we'll work on three-pointers, you know, because they would just fire it off, and it would land out in the crowd somewhere or whatever. And So we're going to work on your confidence by working on your skills, right? Well, how many of you know that we don't need confidence as much as we need God confidence? So many of us in the world that says, you need self-confidence. You need self-confidence. Well, our self-confidence comes from our God confidence, Right? Now, why do we need this? Why do we, so many of us struggle with insecurity, and so many of us struggle with um, being inconfident, unconfident. Um, but why do we need a God confidence? So I want to tell you a couple reasons here, and then we'll get into the scripture. How many of you know in Jeremiah 17, the Bible says our hearts are deceitful? How many of you ever lied to yourself? Ever done that? Yeah. We can really convince ourselves just about anything, can't we? Well, I can afford that. Yeah, you know, I can eat that and not have any problems. Yeah, you know, I can do that. Our hearts are deceitful. So we need to depend on the Lord who doesn't change. In Matthew 26, Jesus is uh, talking to the disciples. He asked them to pray with him as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the crucifixion. Remember what happened? They fell asleep. Like three different times they fell asleep trying to pray. And Jesus said, your flesh is will, or your spirit is willing, but your flesh is what? weak. We have a corrupted, um, sinful nature. Our behavior is inconsistent. How many of you ever decided, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my life, and I'm going to do this. And then we do just the opposite. You ever have that? Well, thankfully, in Romans chapter 7, Paul says he has the exact same problem. He says, the good I want to do, I don't do. What I do is the stuff I don't want to do. And so we need a God confidence. And guys, our inadequacies, our, um, our fears, our anxieties, a lot of times keep us from living the life that God wants us to live. So many times, God has something incredible for us. He wants us to do, and we're what? Afraid. We don't feel like we're adequate. And so I want to talk today about having a God confidence. How we can stay positive by having a God confidence. In Psalm 57 David writes this. Now, David was a guy who had a lot of confidence, right? He had a lot of skill. He was a great soldier. 
He was a great musician. He was a great writer. He was a great king. But David still relied on the Lord. He was still God confident. So Psalm 57, verses 1 through 3, it says, Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I love that. God fulfills his purpose for me. He will, help, he will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. This is David. This is the king. He's saying, I have confidence issues. I have people chasing me. I have people trying to destroy me. I need your help. If you look in verse 7, look at this. He says, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. This is King David. And he says, I am confident in the Lord. I'm confident in him. And so we all need this. Now, we all have problems with being inadequate sometimes. We all have problems with not feeling like we can do what God wants us to do. So we're going to talk today about how to develop that God confidence. But we see people all around us who are struggling with this, don't we? It shows up in all different kind of places, right? And most of the time, these inadequacies come from lies that we've believed. These feelings of inadequacy come from lies that the world has told us. And, you know, we see people who are, who are in that feeling inadequate. They become people pleasers. I am the king of people pleasers. <laughs> I'm that one person. I want everybody to get along. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to feel included, right? Anyone else have that problem? And then when you have to tell somebody no, you just go, ah. I'll tell you a true story. If Diana's watching in Colorado, she probably knows this. Uh, she worked at a prison with me and, uh, in Colorado. And so we would have four guards typically in a unit with 300 inmates. And so we had 100 in one pod, 100 in another pod, 100 in another pod. It was actually, I think, 102, 97, and 100 or something like that. But we would have, usually it was two inmates per cell, but we had a couple of corner cells that would have four people in it. And once, once a day we had to do just a regular count. So we locked them all up. We walked around counting to make sure we had everybody, you know, because if an inmate comes up missing, that's a really bad day, right? For us and for the town around us. But then once a day we had to, once a shift, we had to do a standing count. So we had to make sure they could stand up. They weren't hurt. They weren't injured. They weren't sick. So we would go by and we would lock them in their cells. And then we would go by and they had to stand up so we could see them. And a lot of guys were like, I don't want to stand up. So we'd sit there and bang on their door until they got up. Well, I, had, I was having a rough day one day because I, I just kind of had enough. So I went by this one cell. had four inmates in it. And they were big, big, big men, like big guys. And they're all from like Chicago, inner city Chicago, tough dudes. And so I got over there and they wouldn't stand up. So I tapped on the glass. I'm like, guys, you got to stand up got to stand up. And they wouldn't stand up. And so finally I said, you know what? I'll be back. And I kind of pointed at them. And I left. And I went around. And I was like, why did I say that? Because now i got to go back. And so I went and finished counting the other pods. And so I was, I was having one of those moments like you're praying. You're like, okay, Lord, you've got to give me strength to do this because I can't do it. You know, they're going to kill me, right? I'm tiny. I, you know, I can't. And so I went in there. And I had my guy open the door. Everybody was still locked down. I opened the door. And I went. And I just said, hey. What's your problem? They went, what? They didn't think I would actually come in. And I said, guys, have I ever disrespected any of you? And they said, well, no. And I said, when you disobey me, you disrespect me. And they said, yeah. And I said, I expect you to stand up tomorrow. And they said, okay. And I left and I got outside and I went, oh, like, 
I think I might have thrown up. I'm not sure. But I was terrified. And then uh, I got back in the control room and guys from other units were listening in because they heard me call on the radio. They're like, hey, nice job, Adams. And I was like, uh-huh. That's God confidence, right? Because I had in myself, I had, there was no way. And then the next day I went over there and they were like, and I tapped on them and said, oh, it's Adams. And they all stood up. <laughs> Thank you. And, and then we had a great relationship after that. But that's God confidence. Well, that shows up in people pleasers. Sometimes when we're, we're unconfident, when we're uh, suffering from anxieties and different things, we fish for compliments. You ever know anybody that does that? You know where we fish for compliments? Social media. How many times do people put a selfie and what are they doing? They want everybody to say, oh, you're so pretty, you're so handsome, I like your car, right? It's because we want that confidence that comes from those, but it's got to be from the Lord, right? Uh, and then we have those people who are uber competitive. You know, I know those people. If you do something, they have to do it what? Better or bigger. You get a new car, they get one that's a little bit taller, right? Or you go fishing, they think, oh, look at my fish, I got a bigger fish than you, right? That comes from insecurities, But guys, that we have a God who says he never leaves us. He gives us confidence. So guys, let's get into this today. How do we build this godly confidence? Well, the first thing we do is we believe that God is for us. We believe that God is for us. So many of us live our lives trying to gain God's approval, don't we? We are trying and trying and trying to make God happy with us. And that's a good thing. But we already have his approval. We are searching for something that we already have, right? We're always trying to be good enough, hoping that God will accept us. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, Paul says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? Since he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Guys, we serve a God who is with us. And so many times we try to... Gain God's approval when we already have it. There's an incredible story in the Gospels called the prodigal son. You guys know this story? It's about a son who uh, wanted his father's inheritance. Now he got it. He left and he squandered it. And then he finally came back and the father ran out and welcomed him back. But what did the older son do, the older brother? He complained. He got mad. He said, I've been working my tail off this whole time and you haven't even given me a party. (laughs) Right? One of those things. And what did the dad say? He said, son, everything I have has always been yours. He was trying to earn his dad's approval when he already had it. And guys, so many of us live our lives trying to gain God's approval. So we have to transition from living for God's approval to living in God's approval. When we start living as someone who's loved and accepted and approved by God, we start living in this godly confidence And when you have that godly confidence, that's when you can start taking risks. You can start doing things that you didn't think you had the ability to do. I know we have some missionaries in this room. God told them to do something big. And they're like, I don't don't know, right? Did you ever have those days? Like, I I don't know if we can do this. And they did. Yeah, every day. Guys, I'll promise you, 99% of pastoring is having no clue what you're doing. You feel like you have no idea and you just go with it. And you're like, okay, Lord, we're going to do that, right? So, how many of you go to your kids' sporting events waiting for them to mess up? No, right? You go there hoping they don't mess up, right? You're there to cheer for them, to help them cheer them on, right? 
A lot of us live like that with the Lord, like, oh, he's just waiting for me to mess up. I'm pretty sure he smites people, you know. I remember when I was a kid, I watched that Ten Commandments movie, you know, with Charlton Heston. Remember when lightning hit that guy and made that burnt spot on the ground? That terrified me. Like for five years, I was always like, you know, I would stay under trees, you know, because I didn't want to get smited, smote, smote, I think was the word. Smote, smited. We'll look that up later. But it's funny, if you watch sports, you know, sometimes teams get in this mode where they're playing not to lose instead of playing to win. You ever see that? What happens when you start playing not to lose? You lose, right? But if you're playing to win, you're playing with confidence, that's a great thing. And guys, that's how we can live our lives because we have a God who loves us, who approves us, approves of us, and he's for us. So we have this godly confidence. And then we remember the reward of living in godly confidence. In Hebrews 10.35, he says, don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Guys, we're living for heaven. One day to hear Jesus say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. You made it. You know, a lot of people are like, I can't wait to get to my mansion. I can't wait. I just want to make it across the finish line, right? Sometimes I feel like I'm just going to get there and collapse. Like, woohoo, we made it. Right? So we're going to get there. We're going to do that. And guys, living in godly confidence gives us a boldness to take big steps for Jesus. It gives us this boldness to do what he's called us to do. It gives a, a boldness to raise our families for him. It gives a boldness to live for him, to give for him, to do those things. So we believe that God is for us. And then we believe that God helps us. We believe that God helps us. The Lord's constant help is there with us, right? And that's what removes fear. When I believe that God is my constant help, it removes fear. It takes that out. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 3. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. Wow, isn't that good? The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. For what can mere people do to me? If God is for me, what can people do to me? Right? So, guys, having this, knowing the Lord is with us and he's a constant help, it takes that fear out. Now, does that mean you're never going to have fear? Absolutely not. There's all kinds of scary stuff around. But when we get afraid, we can say, you know what? God is with me. Remember that VeggieTales song, God is bigger than the boogeyman? Right? Some of you may not, those are pretty old. But uh, that was good stuff back in the day. So he helps us. So when we get scared, we can say, you know, I believe that God is with me. The Lord's constant help removes uncertainty. You know what God is really good at doing? Taking us outside our comfort zones. He is really good at pushing us out into things that we can't do on our own. So we get out there and we try things. And we depend on his help to get through it. I'm not a real good mechanic. I love working on my motorcycle and doing stuff, but I'm not real confident in that. So you know what I do? I call Nathan Masson, who's this incredible mechanic, and I say, hey, can I bring it out to the airport while you're working on a plane and just work on it there? You know what that gives me? Confidence. Because I know if I mess it up, Nathan can fix it. <laughs> right? Or if I get myself stuck, he can help. It gives me confidence just having someone there with me to help me out. That's what Jesus does. His confidence takes that uncertainty away. When we're feeling uncertain, we can trust in him, right? And the Lord's constant help gives us peace in storms. 
gives us peace in storms. When we go through a hard time, God's constant help is there for us. So we can have this godly confidence knowing that he's with us. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, David says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble and the waters surge. David said, I don't care what happens. I have God's help with me. I have God's presence with me. It's this confidence. It helps us not quit. It helps us not despair. I love this story in Mark chapter 4. I won't read the whole thing. But remember when Jesus was going across the lake with the disciples and this big storm comes up? Remember what Jesus was doing? He was sleeping, right? And they came out and they said, hey, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus went, I, you know, in my imagination, I see Jesus going, right? Because, I mean, he's like, I've done this so many times with you. I've been with you through so many things. But then he gets up and he quiets the storm, right? And then he says, why do you have so little faith? Or do you still have no faith? He's with us in these storms. So he said, why are you afraid? So, guys, when we go through hardships, and we will, we will. When we go through tough times, we have confidence knowing that Jesus is with us. We have this confidence that he's there. So, guys, we can have godly confidence because we know that God is for us. We know that God helps us. And then last, and here's the one that really helps me out. We know that God is still working in us. Jesus isn't finished. You preschool workers, you remember that old, old, old song, He's Still Working on Me? Did you guys ever hear that one? <laughs> yeah, you'll be seeing that all day now. You're welcome. Um, but we believe that God is still working in us. He's not finished. And here's the thing, if you get anything else out of today, we understand that God will work in us until the day we meet Christ. God is still working on us until the day we get to heaven and we meet him. And it's so easy to get discouraged, isn't it? I know sometimes we work on stuff, work on stuff, work on stuff, and then we still slip up. Some of us, we work on our, our mouth, trying to control our mouth better, and then we slip up. And we go, ah, but he's still working on us, right? We work on our temper and we slip up. He's still working on us. Working on our marriage, we slip up. He's still working on us. I love this line in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul said, I'm certain that God who began this good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. Did you catch what he said? The God who began this good work in you, he's the one that started it. He's the one that's going to bring it to completion when we meet Jesus, right? And we've all had those occasions when something slips out or we slip up and we mess up and we want to give up, don't we? But we can't because he's still working. He is still doing it. He's not finished. And we have to understand that sanctification is a marathon, not a sprint. Sanctification is this big word we use, basically just becoming more like Jesus, right? Sanctification is simply becoming more like Jesus. And guys, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I have friends that are um, Nazarene, the Nazarene uh, denomination. And they believe in a second work of grace. So they believe that you become a Christian and then one day you're just doing your thing. All of a sudden, bam, you're holy. Like, it's the second work that happens, and you're sanctified, you're holy. I was like, that would be so cool, but I don't see it in the Bible anywhere. I said, oh, you're just not Nazarene, you know. <laughs> if you were Nazarene, you'd get it. And I wish it worked that way for me, but for me, it's been this long process. For Paul, it's been a long process, right? For all of us, it's this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. 
And so, but so many times we feel like a failure when we have doubts. So many times we feel like a failure when we mess up with our family or we're, we're not out of the debt we want to be out of yet or whatever. And we, we want to give up, but we have to understand this is still, it's a marathon. Jesus is going to keep working on us until we get there. So allow him to do that work. And when you slip up, you know what you do? You say, Lord, I'm sorry. And you get back to it, right? We keep going because it's a marathon, a sanctification. In Romans 7, man, Paul has this whole line that I mentioned earlier where he says, you know, I want to do this, but I don't because the sinful nature in me does this. And so Jesus is the only one who can rescue me from this. And so keep at it. Keep working at it. And then lastly, we understand that our current circumstances do not define us. Where we are now is not where you're going to be. If you keep working on it, if you keep at it. I love this line in John chapter 15. And Jesus is talking to the disciples. I want you to hear this. You can read it on the screen with me, but I want you to hear this. Jesus is talking to the disciples and talking to us. He says, I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father has told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Guys, Jesus calls us friends. He said he picked us. That helps me so much. It wasn't like I just stumbled into this thing, right? You stumbled into this. Jesus called us. He picked us. He chose us. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. It says, you are a chosen people, your royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity, I love this. Now you are God's people. Once you have received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. Guys, we have his identity. He chose us. And he's going to keep doing this good work in us until we meet him in heaven. So don't be discouraged. Have godly confidence. You can do this thing. <laughs> it's like, everybody's kind of, ah, I don't know, right? Guys, there's so much bad, so much hard going on in the world right now, but you know what Jesus' solution to the world is? Us, working through us, sharing his love, sharing his hope. So I'm going to ask you, if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? I'm going to have the worship team come on up. So don't give up on the process. Have godly confidence. Have a God confidence. Lord, we're so thankful this morning that you have called us. You chose us. Lord, we're thankful that you have called us your people. And Lord, I thank you that we can depend on you because we know that you are with us. We can depend on you because we know that you're here. And Lord, I just pray for everyone this morning who might be discouraged. Everyone this morning who feels like maybe they've been abandoned, maybe they feel like they can't do this thing, they're not good enough, they're not strong enough, they're not smart enough. There might even be some here this morning or watching online that are just almost at the edge of giving up. Lord, would you help us to have that godly confidence in you that we know that we can do this through you. 
I pray that you'd help us to, to believe that you're with us. That you would help us to believe that you're helping us and that you're still working in us today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, you know, Pastor X, I just need to know that Jesus is still with me. There are days that I feel like I'm totally on my own. There are days I feel like I'm totally maybe forgotten. If that's you, would just slip your hand up? We want to pray with you this morning. All right. Some of you are here and you say, you know, I just need to know that God is helping me. I can't do this thing on my own, but I really need his help. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? We want to pray with you this morning. I just need to know that he is going to help me. And then lastly, if you're here today and you're just a little discouraged, you feel like, man, I'm trying so hard and I just feel like I'm not gaining ground, but I just want to know that Jesus is still working in me. Just slip your hand up. All right, Father, I just pray for all these this morning that raise their hands. Lord, the ones that need to know your presence is still with them, that you haven't forgotten them. Lord, for those who need to know that you're still with them, that you're helping them, Lord, would you give them that strength? And Lord, those who are maybe discouraged today and just saying, you know, I just feel like I can't do this. God, would you give us your strength to do this in you, to know that you're with us and you haven't forgotten us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close out with a song here this morning. If you need prayer, if you want someone to come pray with you, we just come up to the front. Someone will meet you here. If you have a need, you can come pray. Someone will meet you here as well.